Okay, turn with me this morning to Exodus chapter 16. How many of you enjoy leftovers? Come on. So especially when it's Thanksgiving leftovers, right? We had Thanksgiving dinner, the first one, uh, 1.0, at uh, my wife's parents' house. And then we had Thanksgiving 2.0 at my mom's house on the next day. And uh, we have, we were sent home leftovers. And I, I, I got to brag on my wife. She made me an apple pie. Can we give her a big hand? All right. She made me an apple pie. And I think I got four and a half pieces of that apple pie. I finished it yesterday morning for breakfast. I ate the last two pieces for breakfast. That was bad, wasn't it? Um, but no, it was good. Hallelujah. And I thought about this morning making a turkey sandwich. We have uh, turkey in the refrigerator right now. There is nothing better than a turkey sandwich with mayo and mustard and tomatoes and, and all the stuff. And you just, you know, they, they go on and on and on and on, right? Leftovers. We're talking about leftovers. Um, and so we, we, uh, we like leftovers when they're good. But how many of you have gone to your, your refrigerator expecting leftovers and it was kind of glazed over because it had been way too long? There comes a point when leftovers are not good anymore, right? When the leftovers that you have in your refrigerator that you forgot about in the back that's been there for six months has to be cleaned out, right? Because there is a time that leftovers is wonderful, and there's a time that leftovers is not so good. And we're going to read this morning about um, the manna, the manna that God sent to the Israelites. The manna. And so we are in Exodus chapter 16. I did say Exodus, didn't I? Okay, Exodus chapter 16, and I'll just set the stage here. The Israelites had just come out of Egypt, and they were notorious for one thing. They were notorious for complaining, and that's the opposite of thanksgiving. And so complaining was uh, their, their uh, status quo. That was what they kept doing. They, oh, that we would have, have, have stayed in Egypt where we had pots and pots of meat, where we had everything that we wanted. I, oh, Moses, why did you bring us out here? And one of these times that they were complaining, God said, I'm going to do something for them. I'm going to give them bread. And so uh, God sent God sent them bread. We're going to pick it up in verse 13. And so it was that quail came up every evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? And that's what manna means. What is it? What is it? For they did not know what it was. 
And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. And then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. Can you imagine that? They tried to have leftovers. Some of them left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. And so on this day, manna began to be fed to them. And in the backdrop, I I love some of the backdrop stories because in the backdrop, all through the wilderness, the fire was burning by, by, by day or by night and the cloud by day. It was always there over the tabernacle. There are some supernatural things that were always happening in the background through all the stories of the wilderness wandering years, 40 years. And one of those things that happened every single day is that the dew would settle on the ground and God would feed them with manna every single day. And they would go out and gather it every single day. They said it tastes like honey and coriander seed, but it wasn't like anything that they'd ever had before. In Psalm chapter 78, the psalmist said that this was the bread that angels eat. It was the bread of heaven. And so God sent them and for 40 years supernaturally fed 2 million Israelites, 2 million plus Israelites in the wilderness where there was no food. And so in the morning, manna. And in the evening, quail. And it went on until it did not stop. It did not stop. In fact, Uh, If you skip down to the end of the chapter, it says in verse 33, Moses said to Aaron, take a pot, put an omer of manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. And so this one piece of manna was supernaturally kept in the pot and they laid it in the Ark of the Covenant next to the tablet uh, of the Ten Commandments. And verse 35 says, and the children of Israel ate manna for 40 years. Until they came to an inhabited land, they ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 11, it says they ate, and Joshua was the one to bring them into the promised land 40 years from this time. And he brought them into the promised land, and it says in Joshua 5.11, they ate of the produce of the land 
on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on that very day. And then the manna ceased on the day they had eaten the produce from the promised land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And so this manna is an incredible phenomenon, supernatural. And I want to just draw some points from this passage this morning that I think will be relevant to our lives. But let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask God that you would cause our hearts to be fresh and alive. And we ask, oh God, that that, uh, you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, the bread, the manna, was a symbol of God's provision in the wilderness. And this is simple. I'm not going to stay long on this point. But it's a very important point for your life. That no matter what you face, no matter what you are going through, God will provide for you. Amen? He is Jehovah Jireh. When Abraham walked up on that mountain, uh, he didn't know what was going to happen. God told him that he was going to slay his son, but he knew that him and his son were going to walk back. And he did not know what was going to happen. But on the top of that mountain, God provided a ram instead of his son. And, and so Abraham slayed that ram before the Lord. And he said, on the mountain of the, the Lord, it will be provided for me. Hallelujah. And he worshiped the Lord. He knew that God was his provider. And I believe that every every person that is walking with Jesus has to come to that understanding, that place in life where they know that no matter what, God is going to provide for them. Amen? He is your provider. He is your provider. You're going to walk through some tough times, but he is your provider. You're going to walk through some wilderness times. You're going to wonder, why are we here and not there? And God is your provider in that moment. When you feel like there's nothing else I can hang on to, we can hang on to God who will provide. Hallelujah. He is our provider. The bread was a symbol of God's provision. Now they got tired of it. I'm thinking of the Keith Green song. You want to go back to Egypt. Banana banana bread. Manna burgers. Manna bagels. Everything was manna. Manna. They got tired of it. But it was God's provision. God has provided for you his grace. His goodness. He has given himself to you. And it is enough. God forgive us when we're just like the Israelites, complaining in the wilderness that we wish we had onions and leeks and wish that we were back in in Egypt where where we came from. Friend, there will be a time, if you've been walking with Jesus a short time or a long time, there will be a time in your life when it looks better to go back. Let me say that again, because this is truth. Give me your attention for a moment. 
It, you will have a time when it looks better to go back and to live the old way. When I wasn't living for Jesus, it was better. Yes, God's providing for me, but you know what? I'm bored. I'm tired of doing the same thing over and over. Where is this promised land? Where is this promised land? I've gotten accustomed to everything. It's the same day after day after day. There, there, there will come a time where it will look better to go back. It was more entertaining. It was more fun. The people, the people that, that, that uh, I was acquainted with, look at them. They're exciting. Oh, but I'm telling you, the promised land is forward. Keep going forward. Keep going forward. Do not be like Lot's wife looking back who became a pillar of salt. Look ahead. Look forward. God, God is your provider. But when he provides, I, I wish it was always exciting what he provides. Sometimes it's bland. Sometimes it, it's simple. But guess what? It will keep you alive. And it is enough. Be content. Amen? Press through. The promised land is coming. The promised land is coming. Secondly, the bread was daily. It did not last through the night. The, por the portion that wasn't eaten had to be thrown out and burned in the fire. It did not last because the manna that God has for us is daily. Amen? There are no leftovers when it comes to the bread that God gives to us. We have to partake of Christ feeding on his word every single day. Amen? It's daily. Some of us are living on testimonies of what God did five, ten years ago. We live on testimonies and things that God spoke to us uh, last decade. But God wants a current relationship in our lives. He wants a daily relationship in our life. Amen? And so we seek his face. Now, sometimes when I meet with God in the morning, it is like a wow moment. And sometimes it is not. Sometimes it's very simple. I read the word. It doesn't always speak to me something flamboyant and wonderful. Sometimes it does. Sometimes the Holy Spirit relates what I'm reading immediately. And I go, wow, I thank God I read that today. And sometimes I'm reading the word and, and, and it just, it doesn't really speak to me in that moment, but I'm getting it in my heart. And you know what I'm doing? I'm staying current, feeding on the word day in and day out, feeding on the word day in and day out, because that's the bread that God has given us from heaven. I cannot live on yesterday's manna. I have got to have a fresh current relationship with him, feeding on his word every single day. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, he said, Therefore we do not lose heart. Our outward man is perishing. Anybody getting older out there? Your outward man is perishing. It, is, it, it takes real courage to get older. 
Amen? Um, my, my mom said that to me uh, Friday night as she jumped up on the couch and hung something on this high thing. And I said, Mom, I'm right here. I can do that for you. <laughs> and she said, it, it, just, it takes bravery to get older. Our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Everybody say that. Day by day. The inward man has to be renewed day by day. This is a daily walk. I thank God that weekly we can gather together here on the Lord's day and worship him. He's worthy of our worship, right? We gather together weekly. That's uh, the pattern that the New Testament church fell into. For a while, they met every single day. Uh, after the day of Pentecost, they met daily in the temple courts. But the rhythm of their meeting shifted a little bit. And, and, and uh, for the most part, they settled at a minimum of meeting on Sunday because that was the day that Jesus came out of the tomb. And so it became known as the Lord's Day. And so they begin to meet on Sunday every single week. And I thank God for the weekly meetings that we have to encourage one another, to worship him together, to uh, listen to his word, to share what God has done with one another as we're, we're talking in the foyer or, or uh, before or after service. I thank God for that corporate meeting that we have. But our walk with God is not weekly. Our walk with God is not weekly. Our walk with God is daily. It is daily. It is daily. And so we're not meeting with all the other believers daily, but we have a, a walk with Jesus. We have a meeting with Jesus to keep every single day. Amen? Praise God, because God's got something new for you today. He's got something to teach you today. He's got oh, some way that he's going to lead you today. We're, we're not born again just on Sunday morning. We're not believers uh, one, one day a week. I'm a believer on Monday. I'm a believer on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And he is worthy every single day of the week. Praise God. My inward man is being renewed day by day. Well, that doesn't happen unless I'm spending time with, with Jesus. We cannot survive on what God did in our lives last year. God, would you send a move of your spirit on this generation today that they would know you because of your fame, not from yesteryear, but God, from today. Amen. And I thank God for the movies that have come out this year. They have been amazing. Some of them have just been stirring. But I, and I thank God. It's important to know our history. But I want people to know Jesus. I want people to know what God is doing today. Amen? Today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Number three. The bread brought them together in unity. All of them, rich or poor, all of them just the same. Every day, they went out into the field 
and they gathered the manna. The sun came up, the dew went away, and at least one member of every household was out there in the field gathering. There was a unity that came from manna. This is what we have to do to survive. Every morning, together. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says this, The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Now, who's the body of Christ? That's you and me. This bread that we break, of course, we're not talking about manna here. What are we talking about? We're talking about sharing in the table of the Lord. And this bread that we break together, it, 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 it says, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Well, that word communion there in, in 1 Corinthians 10 is the word koinonia. And koinonia in the Greek was not just a, hey, how are you doing? How's the weather? Oh, it's snowing outside. I'll see you next week. That's not koinonia. Koinonia is a, uh, is a deeper level connection, communion that we have with one another. And so the bread of Christ the, that re represents his body, which we're going to get to in just a moment, it brings us together in unity. Amen? And so in a little while, I know we had communion last week, but we're going to, those of us that are believers in Christ this morning, we're going to share in communion. And you know what? It doesn't matter what your social status is. You come and break the same bread. It doesn't matter today what race you're from. You come and break the same bread. We come to the table of the Lord on an even level. We are all uh, sinners that have been transformed into saints by the blood of the cross. We're all people that have, that have come to the foot of the cross, confessed our sin, and received his forgiveness, and, and were born again as sons and daughters into the kingdom. And we come in unity to the bread to partake of it together. Hallelujah. Now, I would, like, I would like the fact that we're all Cubs fans to be what binds us together. Cole has thumbs down. Um, uh, Dale said thumbs down. Um, Derek is shaking his head. I would like, I would really like for us all to be Bears fans. Right? Deidre says yes. It's kind of hard right now to be a Bears fan. It's like suffering, right? Long suffering, long suffering, right, Brian? Brian's a Bears fan. He's ashamed to admit it right now, but he's a Bears fan. But the, see, these lesser things, we can have fun with them, but you know what? They don't unite us, do they? They don't, they don't, that's just being what? Railers. Oh, yeah, we're all railer fans here in Lincoln, right? 
except for those of you not from Lincoln, there's a few of you. So not even, not even that unites us together. But you know what unites us? The bread. The bread that came down from heaven unites us together. Jesus, our love for him, our love for him. The bread which we break, is it not the koinonia of the body? It's the bread that makes us look past our flaws, which I know none of you have, but I do. It's the bread that makes us look past our personality quirks. We all have personalities where we look at certain ones and we say, I wish they would not act like that. I wish they would not do that. I'm trying not to look at anybody <laughs> in case you think I'm talking about you. <laughs> it's the bread that helps us look past all of that. And brings us in to relationship. Koinonia. The bread. The bread. This manna in the Old Testament was a type of Christ. I want to read um, a rather lengthy portion from John chapter 6. And so if you want to turn there. John chapter 6. Jesus had fed the 5,000 and they had come back to him and, and uh, he had, uh, he had uh, told them that you're not seeking me because of, my, of miracles, but you're seeking me because, of, because I fed you. And he says, do not labor for food which perishes, verse 27. And then they said to him, verse 28, what shall we do? that we might do the works of God. And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. I want to just pause right there. The work of God starts not with the things that you do, but with what you believe. Father, I believe that you sent Jesus. You know, that's a huge statement in America in 2023 because there's a lot of people now that have given up on the God of Christianity. They've had a bad flavor in their mouth. They've seen a misrepresentation of Christ. I'm not saying it's always their fault, but they've given up on, on a God altogether. And so... The, the beginning of our labor for Christ is simply to believe on him. And when you say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe the Father sent you to die for my sin. You rose again from the dead. That is a huge thing for you to say, for you to believe. We had baptisms two weeks ago, right here, where four of our people said, I believe in the work of, of Jesus in my life. And so therefore they said to Jesus, 
What sign will you perform then that we might see it and believe you? Which is kind of incredible because he had just taken a couple loaves of bread and a couple of fish and multiplied it and fed and fed 15,000 people. The 5,000 was just the men that were there. He just fed 15,000 people with a, a few little things and they de- they're demanding more signs. And then they say this, our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. That was the passage in Psalms. In verse 32, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so the 40 years of manna in the wilderness was looking ahead to the time when the true bread from heaven would be sent by the Father, not in the form of a wafer that, that tasted like honey and coriander seed, but, but in the form of Jesus who gives life to every single person. Hallelujah. Verse 33, for the bread of God, uh, let me read this again, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they still thought he was talking about physical bread, and so they asked the question, Lord, give us this bread always. And that's when Jesus said this to them, I am the bread of life. Now, you may not understand uh, uh, the fullness of this uh, statement until you know what, how Jesus revealed himself to Abraham. When Abraham said, what is your name? Tell me. He, he said this, I am that I am. He said the same thing to Moses, I am that I am. And, and, so, and so when Jesus says this, I am the bread of life, he was making a very clear declaration that the Jews in the culture would understand. In fact, in the book of John, this is the first of the I am statements. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. You are the branches. Uh, and, And so he has seven different times where he said, I am. And here he makes this declaration, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will, gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. Hallelujah. And I will raise him up at the last day. Praise God. Praise God. Friends, 
uh, you don't have to be perfect to receive everlasting life. You don't have to get it all together first before you come to God. Some people uh, I've, that I've met are afraid to come to church because they don't have it all together. Well, you don't get it all together first, right? You just believe that that's what this says. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him has everlasting life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. You believe on Christ. You believe on Jesus. Guess what? He's going to receive you and He's going to begin to work in your life. He's going to begin to change you from the inside out, not from the outside in. He's going to begin to empower you to do things that you never thought that you could do before. He's going to begin to reveal himself to you. He is going to give you life and the hope of eternal life. And the Jews complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he says, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them and said, don't murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. He's talking about himself. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. This is the second time he said that. Do you think Jesus means it? He who believes in me has everlasting life. And then he declares it the second time. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. They're all dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Now he says a hard statement. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. That's the third time he declared that. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And the Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Because they're still thinking in natural terms, right? You mean, you mean we're going to eat your body? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, he doubles down on it. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now this is 
this sounds gruesome and gory. It sounds very cultish. It's, doesn't it? It does. But Jesus wasn't talking about sl- slitting his wrist and us drinking his literal blood. He was talking about the cross. He was talking about shedding his blood on the cross. And that that cross was going to bring life to people. The, the body that he, he was, that he was living in, he was going to give it for you and I. It was going to be broken for you and I. The Lamb of God. And we partake of his flesh. Not, not in a cannibalistic kind of a way. But we have the opportunity to partake of his flesh and blood through receiving what Jesus did on the cross. By saying, Jesus, we receive you. The manna in the wilderness was looking forward to what Jesus would provide for you and I on the cross of Calvary. It's powerful and it's real. And if we but look to the cross and say, Jesus, I partake of the work in which you you provided for me on Calvary. But verse 60 says, many of his disciples, when they heard this, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. And he said to them, he doubled down again. Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing, the the human nature. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you here who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said... Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's powerful, isn't it? People are leaving. People are walking away because of this hard teaching. Jesus does not go after them and said, wait, 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 wait. You just don't understand. He lets them walk. This is hard. They're offended. He lets them walk without a a complete understanding, complete explanation. And here, Peter proclaims him as the son of God. And Jesus doesn't pat him on the back and say, that a boy, Peter, you're right. He looks at them and says, did I not choose you the 12 and one of you is a devil? And he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. This is a hard moment. 
Many people leave. Many people walk away. I wish that I could tell you that in my ministry that every person I've prayed to receive Christ is still following Jesus. I wish I could tell you that every person that I have, um, that I have prayed for has surrendered to Christ. Many still walk away. Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6, broad is the way, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many there are that are on it. But narrow the way and narrow the gate that leads to life, and only a few are on it. I don't completely understand this mystery that he's saying. He said it two or three times. Unless the Father draws them, they can't come to me. And I don't understand that mystery in its fullness, but I I thank God for this, that the Father has drawn you. He has drawn you. He has drawn you. And when I am praying for the lost to come to Christ, I am praying and saying, Father, draw them by your spirit. Amen? Draw them by your spirit. Draw them by your spirit. Bob, who's not, who's not here this morning, he did a funeral on Monday of somebody that he prayed with one hour before they, went, before they died to find Christ. The Father's drawing that woman by his Spirit. The Father is drawing you. The Father is drawing you. The Father is drawing you. He's calling you, saying, will you believe? Will you believe? Will you believe? He's the bread of life. His word is the bread of life. He breaks it open for us. His body that he sacrificed is the bread of life, the manna. When you think about your relationship with the Lord, is it things that were part of your past? Or is it part of who you are now? Is your relationship with Jesus current? Have you ever surrendered your life to him? Have you ever given your life to Christ? He loves you enough to go to the cross for you so that you don't have to pay for your own sin. Jesus paid the price already. You can pay it yourself if you want to. It's not a good road. Or you can receive the gift that God has given to each one of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask uh, Dan, if you can hear, hear me wherever you are, to begin to prepare communion for us. Um, but I'd like us to, to, to just pause and, and pray and say, Lord, I just respond to your word. I've been trying to hang on to moldy, crusty bread. 
It's not fresh. I've been living really on past experiences. God, will you forgive me for that? God, will you forgive me for that? God, you want me to know you today. Perhaps there's, perhaps there's those of us in the room, you've never given your life to Christ. You've never even thought to, even as, even as Ash's testimony a couple weeks ago, I never thought I would be in this place, but God's revealed himself to me. And here I am following Jesus. There might be others in the room that would say, you know what, I, I've never yielded my heart to Christ before. But this morning, I see that the first step is that I simply believe on Christ. With my mind, with my heart, with my soul, receive the gift that he's given to me, the free gift of forgiveness and salvation. You might be here this morning and you just need to, to lift up your voice to the Lord. Hold on a second. Thank you, Lord. If that's you, just before we distribute the elements, just, uh, just pray that prayer. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I believe. Help me. Help me believe you more. Wash my sin away. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're the bread of heaven. And I receive you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Those of you that require gluten-free bread, this bread is gluten-free in the house. And we serve open communion here. If you are a believer in Jesus, you can participate with us. You don't, you don't have to be a member of, of Faith Church. You just have to be a member of God's family. And so if you're a member of God's family and you're a servant of, of Christ, you're invited to participate in with us together. And as the elements are distributed, just uh, hold on to them. And we're going to embrace these elements together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence.
presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for the, for the bread that came from heaven, the true bread that, that gives forgiveness and life to all men? Hallelujah. Lord, we just hold this bread in our hands. And Lord, I, I like to just break it between my fingers because it reminds me of the broken body that was, was given for me on the cross. Hallelujah. And Lord, as your body was broken for me, it, it expressed your provision for my life, your, uh, your, your love for my life, your covering in my life. Hallelujah. I thank you for all of these things. I thank you for the, for the bread that was, that was broken for me. We, we just love you so much. And we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. And Lord, as I, as I have this bread and I just look around and I thank you for all of those, God, that you have touched, that you have ministered to, whose lives have been transformed by this bread that was given. You are the true bread from heaven. And we believe, we declare our belief in you this morning. And we thank you for this bread. And we partake of it together as sons and daughters in your family. Let's partake of the bread together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant that I have shed for you. And it was the blood that Jesus shed on the cross every stripe on his back for our healing. His blood that forgives our sin, cleanses our hearts. Let's partake of the cup together. Thank you, Lord. We remember you right now. We remember you right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Glory to God.